We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to another edition of the Rotowire NBA podcast. Nick Whalen, Alex Berutha here. It is Tuesday. It is March 23rd. And Alex, we are less than two full days from the NBA trade deadline, which comes to us at 3 p.m. Eastern on Thursday. Trade news is starting to heat up, unsurprisingly. Um, it, it does kind of feel like it's been the same you know, seven or eight names that we've heard not only in the last week, but like for the entire season, there's been some guys that are just such obvious trade candidates um, that we, we've just been hearing about him over and over. Uh, obviously, Andre Drummond is in that category. Uh, Kyle Lowry, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll hit on a few other names, but one of the names that I, I think is the most interesting to discuss, not only because there would be implications this season, but looking ahead, and, and there are a few guys that are in this category um, a player who's set to hit free agency this offseason is Lazo Ball. And I, I don't know necessarily that the Pelicans are 
really going out of their way to trade Lonzo Ball, but for a guy who has openly said he's you know looking for a hundred plus million dollar deal in total uh, as a free agent this season, he's still playing on his rookie deal, of course, uh, w- which pays him a hefty amount as the number two pick, but you know still not elite money. He's played really well over the last month and a half. Uh, a lot of the deficiencies that that were really concerning early this year and and you know kind of throughout his career so far have started to look a little better. But if you're the Pelicans, you know what are you looking for? In Alonzo deal, um, you know, look, assessing how the season has gone so far, if a team comes to you and says, we really want Lonzo Ball, you know, what what general demands are you making in return for your starting point guard? Well, I mean, I think it's interesting because Zion and Ingram handle the ball so much that you I don't know if you want like a ball dominant point guard. And Lonzo hasn't really been a ball dominant point guard. He kind of pushes the tempo and he's so good at shooting threes now that he can play off ball and. Again, he's someone who I don't feel like wants you want to necessarily be like your third option, you know, try to score. But I mean, if I'm the Pelicans, I don't know. I You're kind of rebuilding. But on the other hand, when you have like players as talented as Zion and Ingram, you you can definitely feel like you are able to go all in to some extent or at least like try to, hey, let's flip Lonzo to, a, a I guess, a different rebuilding team for one of their veterans who doesn't want to be there anymore. Um, and, and maybe you can try to continue the rebuild, like on, on, um, on one of our prior podcasts, I know we talked about like a Kobe white for Lonzo ball swap, mm-hmm. um, you know, just to try to get more of like a scoring shooter in there for the Pelicans, yeah. but it's I feel weird. like white's white's value has gone down since we talked Yo, about yeah. that. Like that, <laughs> that makes that like sounds egregious now, but at the time made, made a lot more sense. Yeah. So I, I'm not sure what. I would want to do if, if I was them because they're 18 and 24 right now, but they're not, they're not completely out of it. I mean, they're only two wins back of the 10th seed, which is playing right they're behind Memphis. Um, you know, I don't know. They have Steven Adams that they, <laughs> I think I would want to get off that contract. I still really confused as to why they signed him. Um, and they have Reddick. They want a deal too. So I don't know. I mean, is, is there something that you were thinking of for, for Lonzo? It's, it's such a weird situation to me. Well, obviously, first and foremost, you have to answer the question, is he part of your future going forward? Right. Are you going to be willing to pay him the money that he's going to probably be offered by other teams on the open market? And if the answer is no, then you have to trade him. Because uh, to me, I, I still think the Pelicans probably have a, a pretty decent chance to to make the playing game and maybe make the playoffs. But then you're probably looking at a four or five game series against Phoenix or Utah or the Clippers or the Lakers or whoever it is. And, and to me, I, I just don't know that that's really a success. I mean, you could pitch it as we want to get Zion some playoff experience. You know, it's, it's better than existing in the middle and, and not getting that experience, whatever. But I, I think we could kind of call it by now. Like, this season has been mostly a failure I mean, for the Pelicans. I, I think the last two seasons have been kind of letdowns based on uh, the talent on the roster versus the actual record. I mean, barring some sort of late season run here where they completely turn things around, I think we're going to look at this team and say they probably underachieved at the same time. It doesn't really feel like Lonzo ball necessarily is to blame for that. And, and when you look at the raw numbers, like I don't know who's to blame, you know, and I, I think like Lonzo's played well, Zion's played, I think better than, than a lot of people expected for most of this season. I mean, Adams maybe isn't a great fit, but it's not like he's been a disaster. Brandon Ingram's numbers are pretty close to what they were last year. So I, I think more than anything, the Pelicans have to kind of diagnose what the issues are with this team, because I, I don't know if it's Lonzo Ball. Like, last 25 games for Lonzo, he's at 15.4 points, 
six assists, four and a half rebounds, 1.3 steals, half a block, 3.4 made threes per game on 42% shooting. The one hole in his game is that he doesn't get to the line, but in that span, he's like 21 of 25 at the line. So he's, he's making his free throws when he gets there. The problem is he's rarely getting there more than once or twice per game. So that's, I guess, the major hole. Right. I, I mean, the, the Pelicans' problem is they play no defense. They're, they got the 28th uh, defensive rating in the league and the seventh best offensive rating, which is surprising considering uh, Stan Van Gundy was known more as like a defensive coach, right? Like, a, you know, like someone who is going to slow the pace down and, and kind of grind it out on both ends of the floor. So, I I mean, I, I think part of this just stems from the question that or, or the things that we were talking about the Pelicans at the beginning of the season, which is like this team doesn't make any sense on paper as far as like the floor spacing is off. Um, you know, like Bledsoe and Lonzo don't make sense together. Adams and Zion don't make sense together. The bench is atrocious, by the way. Like, I like Josh Hart. Other than that, like, Redick hasn't been great this season. Um, and like, they're, you know, the eighth most minutes on the team per game go to Nikhil Alexander Walker. And then it's like Willie Hernan Gomez and, and, and Jackson Hayes. So I, they're just like not, they're not well constructed and their bench is bad. And so it, I don't think it's Lonzo's fault. Um, I think I think Lonzo's a floor raiser. I don't think he's, he would be someone that like vaults your team, you know, into like contention from like this status or something. Obviously, mm-hmm. like he's he's not that type of player, but um, I, I think he's helping them not be worse for sure. Oh, fair, fair or not, he's still going to be judged against where he was drafted and. I, I think if he was like the 15th pick and had the season that he's having, it would almost be like a no brainer extension, but because he went number two and because things kind of went so sideways with the Lakers, he just kind of has this weird reputation already, I, I guess about right. how his career has gone. And I don't know how much that'll factor into decision for new Orleans, but I mean, if you were the Pels, would you be willing to, to hand him, let's say like $22 million a year for the next four years? That feels like a lot. I, I it think does. Because I don't know. I I like Lonzo. I would like Lonzo if I was a like fringe contender and I needed just like one more guy to be to kind of mm-hmm. fill in or if my point guard situation just wasn't quite right. But as like a, a true building block as a guy you're gonna pay to be like your third best player. Cause if you pay if if you're gonna pay Zion and you're gonna and you paid Ingram and you pay Lonzo Lonzo's probably going to be your, you know, the, the player making the third most money on your team. And then what do you really do mm. from there? I feel like that really kind of constricts your ability right. to do other stuff. And I don't feel like that core three yep. is quite good enough. Yeah, I, I think that's spot on. I mean, if you trade him, I think ideally you're looking for an upgrade, but you're more than anything, you're like kind of avoiding the issue of potentially overpaying a player who's not worth that money and handcuffing yourself, not only for this season, but for the next four years into the future. So, I mean, I, the return for Lonzo, I don't think what, if, if they do trade him, which I don't think they will for the record, but if they do, I, I don't think the return would be all that great just because, you know, whatever team is trading for him, obviously would, would want the assurances that he's going to resign there. I don't think you make that deal unless some team views him as a rental. I guess that's a possibility as well, but um you know, the, the, the likelihood that he wants to hit the open market and, and you know, would, would do what he could to get the highest dollar offer this offseason, I, I think maybe would scare some teams away. But 
if you're in New Orleans, I mean, I, I don't know that you're going to, you're not, you're probably not trading Lonzo Ball and getting somebody back that you're like, hey, this guy's definitely better than Lonzo Ball. But you're getting yourself out of having to answer that really difficult question that we've just been talking about. And you're potentially adding, you know, maybe another pretty valuable draft pick to a war chest of picks that that is good. But at the same time, it's not looking like any of those Lakers picks, you know, barring something unforeseen, uh, at least in the next two or three years, it's not looking like any of those picks are going to be inside the top 20. No, no. I mean, those picks are going to be, you know, you have to you're going to get lucky on maybe one of them, I think. You know, I think yeah. that's kind of the hit rate for like 20s picks mm-hmm. uh, if you have four of them. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what they do. I mean, maybe they do just try to trade for another younger player and just keep kicking the can down the road. But mm-hmm. if you do that for too long, I think you just end up with a player who's like not that good. Like that's right. all a lot of those traits is like, well, then you might have to do it again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, they they are in a tough spot. And like, you know, I've heard people say that they're not 100 percent sure that like Ingram is part of their future either. Like they're like at this point, they're certain about Zion, but they're not sure about Lonzo and people kind of question the fit of like, or, or, or just say like maybe Ingram doesn't want to be in a role of like the quote unquote, Scotty Pippen to Zion's Jorgen, which is what I've heard other people say. <laughs> um, <laughs> what, is, what does he want to do instead? Be the, be the number one guy on a team theoretically. Oh, and maybe their games don't because they're kind of the same player, right? They're both kind of like wings who handle the ball a lot. And neither of them are like elite passers. Um, it, it feels like it could just kind of turn turn into like a taking turns thing there. Yeah. Um, which I don't feel like that ever works particularly well. Yeah, yeah that, that's a conversation for another day. But throwing out the the context with Lonzo, um, you know, don't worry. Don't worry about contracts or what the future yeah. holds necessarily. If he's to be traded in the deadline or at the deadline, I should say, and we're just focusing on the rest of this season, um, you know, be somewhat realistic. But what are what are some landing spots that you think would make a lot of sense um, in terms of teams adding Lonzo Ball and you know feeling better about where they're at now for the stretch run? I mean, I would like I think he would be interesting on Miami, you know, especially like if Miami can't get Kyle Lowry, I think maybe they could turn to try to get Lonzo. Um, I'm not sure how they do that outside of, they'd probably have to give up Duncan Robinson. I'm not sure. I don't, you won't give up Tyler hero for him, but like Duncan Robinson, maybe precious Achua, um, guys like that. I think, I think he would make sense there. You know, he doesn't, you know, he can, they have other scoring options, right? Like him and, you know, they have bam, they have Jimmy, they would theoretically still have Tyler hero. And if all those guys are on the court, Lonzo would be like, again, you, he wouldn't have any pressure to score. And I also, would consider I, I think he'd be interesting on Denver. Getting him to Denver is kind of another problem. Um but I think him and like if you just I mean Gary Harris is like MIA for them. And if they were able to just put in like Lonzo Ball into that spot, because I think he can play shooting guard or Murray can be the shooting guard or however you want to put it. I think I think those sure. two players don't really conflict. Yeah, I love the Denver idea. Like you said, kind of tough to to come up with how that would happen. I mean, it would have to be heavily picks influenced over player. Uh, I, I mean, I don't think you're giving up Michael Porter Jr. for a player of Lonzo Ball's caliber at this point. Um, you mentioned Kyle Lowry with Miami. It, you know, if I, if I was a Miami Heat fan, I don't know that I would love the idea of trading for Kyle Lowry. I, I think he he raises your ceiling for this season. I think beyond this season, I mean, he, he turns 35 on Thursday on trade deadline day. 
beyond the season, he becomes a depreciating asset. And I know the last two, three years, we, we probably thought he would decline and he really hasn't, but it, he's not LeBron. At some point, he's going to hit this wall. And, and at, considering the amount of minutes that he's played over the last five or six years, uh, I think that could end up being a pretty severe decline. And if you're the Heat and you're giving up significant assets to get the best available player at the trade deadline, one, you're probably going to have to sign him to an extension, which would really make me nervous. Two, are, are you convinced that adding Kyle Lowry to this team and giving up you know, at least one of Robinson and Hero to make that happen, does that even raise your ceiling enough that you feel good about winning the title this year? Uh, let alone having to think about, you know, what your core is going forward when you're relying on 36-year-old Kyle Lowry and, and Jimmy Butler, who, you know, isn't getting any younger himself. It's tough. I think, um, you know, the Jimmy Butler is going to, like, he's someone who is, I think his body is older than his age, right? Like, he's he's 31, but he misses time a lot. He has those Tom Thibodeau minutes on his knees. You kind of never know. Like, he feels like, I don't think he'll end up having a situation where we're talking about him. Like we talk about Blake Griffin, like that kind of an issue. Cause Jimmy's never had like these super long, like he's never missed like yeah. a whole season. No, not, not quite that severe. No. Right. But you do worry. I think that, you know, if we like, we, I think there is pressure to keep pushing to get more talented veterans because, you know, um, you have Jimmy Butler in his prime right now. You don't know exactly how long that's going to last. Um, and you know, like uh, Bam Adebayo is good right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I think their young core between Adebayo and, you know, hero, like Robinson, Duncan Robinson is 26. So he's not like really that young. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't even know how they feel about Kendrick Nunn. Like, I, I feel like the Heat's young core is a little overrated. And I, I think that if I was Miami, I would definitely feel pressure to trade for Kyle Lowry and, and kind of go for it. Yeah, I mean, it obviously, you know, when you're a team that went to the finals last year, you, you can't sit there and say you don't have enough because they clearly right. do and they did last year. But I also think you can't rely on that kind of run every year where, I mean, they've, they've looked really good for the last two weeks. For the vast majority of this season, they have not been a good team. And I, I think it can be tempting to just say like, hey, we turned it on last year. Look at us. We went to the finals. We would have won if we, you know, if we were healthy. We'll just do that every year. I, I you know, LeBron teams can get away with that. Maybe some other superstars can. I don't know if the Miami Heat can. I mean, we haven't even mentioned Goran Dragic, who you know, would maybe have to go back to Toronto in this deal. And, and if he remains in Miami, is another guy who's kind of on that same clock as Kyle Lowry. Um, I, I just, to me, the upside isn't quite high enough where, I, you know, if they had Kyle Lowry, I don't, I don't think the Heat are even like the second favorite for me in the East. Like I would still put them behind, for sure behind Brooklyn and, and you know, kind of in like a tie or maybe slightly behind at least one of Philly and Milwaukee. Like, it, mortgaging your future and, you know, potentially having to deal with some really rough contracts and a couple bad years where you have these 37 year old guys making $40 million. Like to me, I, I just don't know if it's quite worth it. Like Kyle Lowry to me is, isn't quite good enough uh, for that kind of investment, but you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, they, it, it is tough. You, you like, you wish Kyle Lowry was like two years younger. Right. And right. this would make way yeah, that's more for sense. sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't have much to say about Drummond. Uh, this is, you know, we've talked about this so many times. He hasn't played uh, since mid-February. Honestly, seems like longer than that. I was kind of shocked that he played on like February 12th. Um, sounds like the Lakers are the front runners. He did follow uh, Marc Gasol on Instagram today, if you're wondering. <laughs> so that should pretty much seal it up. 
Um, LaMarcus Aldridge is in that same boat. The Heat, the Trailblazers, and the Celtics uh, seem to be in play for Aldridge. Um, although Aaron Gordon to Boston is picking up some steam. So if they get Aaron Gordon, I think that would obviously turn the page on Aldridge. We talked about Aldridge a little bit last week. I, it's just really hard for me to get fired up about him going to the Heat. Uh, you know, going back to the Blazers would be a nice story. I, I don't think he's completely washed up, but but as we discussed, like he's just such a liability. I think with a lot of lineups in the playoffs that you're probably looking at, you know, 20, 25 minutes where you you just kind of hope he catches fire from the mid range, which is just kind of a crazy sentence to even say. Right. I think with him, the spot he would end up being was like if he's with your starters, you just want to run him a lot of pick and pop and play five out. Like, I think that's where with the Blazers, he'd make the most sense because they don't really have a five out center option. So if he can more consistently hit his threes, it opens up driving lanes for Damian Lillard. That's obviously ideal in the playoffs. And then, you know, if you haven't played with the bench unit, yeah, maybe you, you just post him up a ton. Like <laughs> you just have him and Carmelo stand on like the opposite, you know, elbows and just pass back and forth to each other while they keep backing down their respective players. And eventually someone takes a fadeaway. Um, yeah, I think he'll be interesting, but as we kind of talked about before, like I almost feel like Drummond has more ability to, to swing a series just with his elite rebounding. Yeah. I mean, given where the Lakers are right now, I'd be thrilled if they could get Andre Drummond. I mean, right. they really, they don't even really have a center. Like Marcus all is apparently so out of shape from being in the health and safety protocols that he might not even play at all this week. Um, they bizarrely decided to just wave Damian Jones, who I, I thought actually played pretty well for them. Yeah, he did. Um, and like, obviously they knew what was going on with Gasol. Like they were just like, no, we're just good. We won't have any centers. Um, so, I mean, if they can land Andre Drummond basically for free, um, you know, we've, we've gone deep on, on some of Andre Drummond's flaws, but considering the other options, that would be a huge, huge upgrade by default. And I, mean, I think if there's like any player or any combination of players who could unlock something with Drummond or at least, you know, make him somebody who contributes to winning, which has never really happened in the past. Um, I'm, I'm not saying he's going to be the finals MVP, but I, I would trust LeBron and Anthony Davis, I, I think, to make that work. The Rotowire NBA podcast is brought to you by Gamer Saloon. Gamer Saloon is a video game tournament platform where you can play video games for real cash prizes. All major consoles and PCs are supported. Our most popular titles are NBA 2K, Madden, FIFA, NHL, and Call of Duty. Gamer Saloon launched in 2006 and since then has awarded more than $75 million in prizes. Players could play in multiplayer tournaments or simply play 1v1 games from your couch for real cash prizes. Withdrawals are fast and easy and they're directly deposited right into your PayPal account. Join a free match on us today by going to gamersaloon.com slash rotowire that's gamersaloon.com slash rotowire and simply pick your game of choice all you have to do is win one match and gamer saloon will give you ten dollars again gamersaloon.com slash rotowire win that match go get those free ten dollars what about aaron gordon are, are you if you're a celtics fan are, are you fired up to potentially get aaron gordon um i think if i was a celtics fan i'd be freaking out about potentially losing marcus smart um, like I was right, listening that's, to, that's basically a given. If you're getting, if you're getting Gordon, you're, you're giving up smart, right? Yeah. The, I, I think it was, I think it was the, one of the ringer podcasts with Kevin O'Connor and, and Chris Vernon that I was listening to where they're, it sounds like the package that's just been floating around right now is like Marcus smart and two firsts for like Aaron Gordon and Evan Fournier. And I think Marcus smarts better than both those players. 
Um, I think he's a spe- I, I think Marcus Smart's better than Aaron Gordon. So like that part of the trade kind of like confused me. Um, but it sounds like there could be other there could be other locker room stuff going on there, which is also weird because like from every Celtics fan that I've heard, they like love Marcus Smart and think he's like the only person giving the team energy right. and life. And you're going to trade that guy for Aaron Gordon, who like just I I don't know. I, it's a very weird situation and uh yeah i don't know this this one to me just feels like we're making a move just to make a move you know yeah. like i mean th- doesn't this team already have like two of the best six eight two-way wings in the league like i i don't know what adding a third one of those guys who's a worse shooter and and maybe a slightly better playmaker but slightly better i i people are starting to talk about aaron gordon like he's averaging 28 and, and like 10 assists per night i <laughs> I just he's played okay. He's been extremely injured, not only this year, but but multiple years in the past. Getting Fournier would be nice. But I think at at worst or at best, I should say, you know, Smart and Gordon is a wash. You know, you're trading. It's kind of a one for one. Those guys cancel out. Is at that point, are you giving two first rounders for Evan Fournier? Is Evan Fournier the missing piece? Is that going to save your season? I mean, it's it's in some ways the same argument uh, of Kyle Lowry to uh, to Miami and, and, you know, with, with Gordon in Boston, you're not necessarily worried about the age-based regression, but again, does, does this really make you that much better? Does it really vault you into contention? Like it, is it worth, especially giving up the two first round picks? Um, and, and you made a great point with, with smart. Like I, I was under the impression that when Marcus smart returned, the Celtics would go back to being good again. That, that's what everybody <laughs> right. had been saying. And now everybody's just quick to, to usher him out the door. It, it really doesn't make a lot of sense. No, it doesn't. And I, you know, I like Evan Fournier. I think he would be great on a playoff team. Kind of sick of him being on the magic. Um, and I don't know. I, I think, I mean, Boston's bench is also really bad. Like, I think they, I think part of the thing that they need is they just need more, more, like, they just need more good players on the team. Like there's, there's too much semi ogile There's too much Grant Williams. They they don't even like Tristan Thompson. Like Tristan Thompson is not good. Um, they have a lot of guys. Like and so maybe they just want basically a two for one, where they just want you know like they're willing to give up picks and they're willing to give up smart if it means like we can just get two players um, who can yeah. play in the playoffs. Yeah, I I think that's fair. Um, again, I mean personally, I don't I don't think it's enough, but it. It, it just kind of feels like they have to make a move, and, and this is the the one move that's available. I, I don't love the idea of Gordon in Boston just for him individually. Like, I'd love to see him somewhere else where— It's weird, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like in Boston, we're not we're not necessarily going to get to see him, like, fully unleashed. It, it'll be a, a better situation than Orlando, which has been a disaster. But, like, I, w- I would start to talk myself into, like, Aaron Gordon in Portland, which, for whatever reason, is a lot more intriguing. Portland or, like, Golden State? I always thought sure. be like him and Draymond together would be like really interesting or him as like kind of like the, you know, once Draymond's kind of old, you get Aaron Gorgon to come in. Um, yeah, I, I you, you mentioned it with him being just like another wing slash forward. Like did Jason Tatum start is Jason Tatum a small forward now? Is Aaron Gorgon a small forward? I know that's like kind of archaic and probably doesn't like matter, like specifically what position they play. But yeah, um, like how much is Gorgon going to really handle the ball? I don't know. I think are, are people even going to guard Aaron Gordon in the playoffs? I don't know. Like, well, we, we've never really seen him. I guess we've seen him in like the first round against the Raptors a couple times, but 
not that we've never seen him in a high leverage game at all really since Arizona so I, I don't know I maybe I would guess no probably not I don't think he's earned that respect no I mean I think I you know he's played like you mentioned the five playoff games a couple of years ago um you know he I mean he averaged 15 points on 12 shots seven rebounds three and a half assists like that was fine um but if you are another team like you are I I feel like if you're the opposing team, you feel really comfortable just leaving Daniel Tice open and just leaving Aaron Gorgon open and just dealing with Brown, Tatum, and Smart. And, you know, I mean, maybe Gorgon's passing is good enough and he's good enough off the dribble to take advantage of some of that. I'm I'm just not sure. I want to go back to Miami for a second. If you're the Heat and you're offering, let's say, similar packages, maybe maybe a slightly diminished package uh, for for this second player who we haven't discussed yet, would you rather have Victor Oladipo or Kyle Lowry taken into account this season and the future? And that's a really tough call. Tough question for, for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Um, well, if you're trying to shoot the gap between, you know, kind of like the young and old, uh, like the two, you know, the, your, your win now and your win in the future, I think you want Oladipo and you just hope that you can get him. You know, in your I mean, by all accounts, you know, the one thing I do believe about, quote unquote, heat culture is that they have like a good medical staff and they keep people in shape. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of what, you know, Oladipo needs to be in a situation like that, because he probably still needs a ton of attention, like on that on the on the quad injury that's kind of been hampering him, although he's he's been putting up numbers lately. Um, I think I would want Oladipo. Um, I think I, I still believe in him you know, kind of coming back from his injury. And if he's, again, I, I think having him, I mean, if you have him and Jimmy Butler on the wing, that's a good deal. Um, you know, I, I, I guess I would just be worried about Kyle Lowry, like just getting hurt in the playoffs or something. And that's just kind of like it, you know, maybe you have him for another year after right. that. Um, yeah. How about you? I, I think Oladipo, I think I would chance it on that. And, you know, then you start to get into like, are you, are you retaining both of these guys? Um, yeah. I'd, you know, the cost of maybe with, with Oladipo, you're, you're maybe being forced to commit to a longer term deal. Um, although, you know, some people think he wants to be in Miami. So maybe you would get a slight discount there, but e- either way, these are two guys that I would not want to commit to past this year. And in order to get them in the door this year, you probably have to do that. And that's, that's kind of the price that, that Miami's going to have to pay. Right. And, I don't know what gets it done with Oladipo. It feels like it feels like other teams have more to offer for Oladipo than um Yeah, I still I have no Miami idea what does. the market is. Because because of the free agency, because of the injuries, because there's this belief that I think he would only re-sign in certain places. I, I have no idea. I would I would not be surprised if he gets traded on Thursday and we we're like, wow, I can't believe it was this low. Right. Yeah, I mean Houston is just so like I, I mean, they, they finally won a game, but they, did. they, by all accounts, their team is like their roster beyond, I mean, if they get rid of Oladipo, I, I don't know, like their, their roster is, is pretty bad right now. Like the, 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 yeah. the caliber of the players that they've been starting, I mean, there's, there's a lot of Sterling Brown, like there's a lot, a of, lot of, a lot of like Ben McLemore and Kenyon Martin Jr. And like DJ Wilson's been playing for them and, uh, it's they're they're tanking yeah yeah i will say for this season i don't know that it matters anymore like i, I think if, if they have to roll out 
a lineup of half G leaguers, I think that's kind of fine. Like when you lose 20 games in a row, <laughs> right. I don't think like I don't think you're worried. Like, but we got to get some talent in the door here. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think they're okay with that at this point. I mean, it's all about um, kind of protecting that pick. I think for this year at least. What about Marvin Bagley? Uh, we haven't talked about him. I feel like at all this season. He was the number two pick in a draft that people are going to be talking about for a long time because of the guy who went number three. Um, but yeah, with Bagley, I think the biggest impetus right now is he's making that number two pick money. So he's going to make like 11.7 mil next year. And then his qualifying offer in 2022 is 14.7 million. So even though he's kind of already in reclamation project territory, this isn't DeMarcus Cousins who you can bring in, you know, for the veteran exception. And, you know, you're, you're bringing him in on a, on a minimum deal and it's like no risk. Like, if you, if you want to take a chance and be the team that, that thinks you can rehab Marvin Bagley's value, you're going to have to pay him, you know, like a, a guy who's a really good player, you know, and it, it's not superstar money, but you know, for a guy who just hasn't been all that good and is once again, banged up and has missed a ton of time. Uh, and and I, I wrote in my, in my piece on the side today, like I, I feel like it almost has to be a rebuilding team because what, what team that has anything to play for is going to be willing to give Marvin Bagley almost $12 million next year. <laughs> right. And they would probably end up playing him like 18 minutes a game. Yeah. If they're, if they're that good to begin with mm-hmm. and he would not want that. Um, yeah, he, um, he's like, he, before getting hurt this most recent time, uh, he was playing pretty well, um, by his standards, right. He was shooting efficiently is kind of what mm-hmm. I mean. Cause he's not doing a ton for you. Not an elite rebounder. He doesn't pass. He doesn't play defense. Um, and so, yeah, I think you do have to send him to like a deep rebuilding situation. Cause for me, like, for me, he's not even close to being as like people, people quibble about like, is Laurie Markkinen, you know, going to be like a, a great player or not? Or like, is he ever going to make an all-star team? Like, I think Laurie Markkinen's value is like way, way higher than Marvin Bagley. Um, and so if, I mean, maybe like if you're a team like OKC, like, I, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think you have to be like OKC. You have to be like Detroit, uh, Houston to like take mm-hmm. a chance on him. And if I was any of those teams and I I have the cap space, I don't see why not. I mean, there's there have been enough flashes where, like, like I think the days of, of anyone saying that was the right pick, Sacramento should have taken him over Luka Doncic. Like those days are gone. There's there's zero percent <laughs> chance that we're ever going to say that was an okay pick, uh, just based on how good Luka's been. But I I don't think it's like out of the question that there's still a lot of on tap talent there. Like he's it, it he's played like basically the same number of games as like a full rookie year at this point, or he's kind of like midway through his second year based right. on how much time he's missed. So I, I don't think it's a, it's an unsalvageable situation. And, and it's not like he's torn his ACL three times. Um, they've, they've kind of been weird injuries. They haven't been related. So I, I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if five years from now, he's, you know, he's played 80% of the, the season in five straight seasons, but yeah, it's going to be interesting because I, I think, you know, he, he still has some value. Like he's still a name. He's still a number two pick not that long ago, but I mean, could, could you get a, protected first round pick even for Bagley like is that is that now too much to ask you could probably get a protected first for him but like heavily protected I was just kind of I, I was kind of figure out like what does Sacramento even want um yeah I don't know like like alone like even putting aside like what can they get what do they want do they want a young player do they want a pick do they want to try uh, get it like a win now guy yeah um like I would like to see Bagley in OKC because OKC has been starting like Darius Baisley and Isaiah Roby and they're, I mean, they've been pretty competent and it's mm-hmm. very clear. They've run like a very 
competent organization, right? And they can get the most out of these players. And I think it would be nice to put Bagley in one of those spots. But what does, uh, you know, what does OKC have that uh, the Sacramento even wants? They're not going to get Al Horford, right? Like George Hill, that doesn't move the needle at all. Would they just take on, like, would you just send them back, Roby and Baisley? (laughs) Be like, here you go. I, I mean, I, I think it would have to be a deal like that because, I mean, one, you have, you have to match Bagley's money. It's, it's a rookie deal, but it's a decent amount of money. And yeah, I, I think you're either looking at a filler salary plus a late first round pick, or you're looking at kind of two guys like that who, you know, you're like, wow, I cannot believe we are, we are punting on the number two pick from three <laughs> drafts ago for Isaiah Roby and you know, Mike Mascala or whatever it is. But I mean, that's, that's where his value is at right now. I mean, if you just throw out, if you throw out where he was drafted, he's in the same category as, as those guys. You know, maybe maybe a little bit more valuable, but if you take out the context of everybody thought this guy was going to be good, he's just kind of an average Joe. Very much so. Yeah, and I it is kind of confusing to figure out what his NBA role is going to be. Like I've always kind of thought of him as like you're potentially a small ball five. Yeah, um, I don't think he's thought of himself as that. I, I know. I know they didn't the Kings like try him out as like a shooting guard at one point. Um, they definitely wanted him to play small forward at some point. Okay, Someone in the organization said that. Um, but yeah, I mean, part of the problem, like even if you want Bagley to be a three and uh, a three point shooting five, he, he doesn't play any defense. Mm-hmm. So he's like a worse version of Miles Turner, who <laughs> the Celtics didn't want for 17 million. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty bleak in Sacramento, but. At the same time, I feel like everyone saw this coming. I don't feel bad for the Kings. <laughs> right. I, I feel bad for De'Aaron Fox. I feel bad for Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah. I don't feel bad for the people who made that decision. Uh, I, I want to do two uh, just player comparisons quick before we finish out with some MVP and, and Rookie of the Year odds, which have updated uh, with the LeBron and the LaMelo injuries. But I, I saw on Twitter yesterday, uh, I didn't read, really even read into it. I just saw one tweet about it and thought, I want to talk about this. Somebody asked, is Kyrie already better than Allen Iverson? And I think that's a super provocative question. I I think they're very similar players in many ways. Um, My first thought was absolutely not. I I think if you're, if you asked, if you polled a hundred people, who's the better player, like 85 would say Iverson, because I I think his legacy means a lot more. I think he was, you know, Kyrie's famous, but I feel like Allen Iverson was more popular throughout his career, but I'm really interested to see where you come in on this. Uh, and it's tough to answer because, you know, Kyrie Irving's story is, is certainly not, you know, finished writing it. Right. So I I think it's it's pretty difficult to make a case for Iverson. I think if you're just looking at like the the pure like advanced numbers, like if you're just like true shooting percentage, you know, yeah. win shares per 48. I think it's it's hard to you're good. That's what you use to argue for Kyrie Irving. Um, At the same time, Irving uh, Kyrie has only ever been the best player on a team that went to the playoffs once. That was with Boston, right? When he was with Cleveland and they went to the playoffs, LeBron was on his team. And he was, I mean, he was awful in Boston when they played Miami or when they played Milwaukee. Yep. Um, and then Iverson was just like, <laughs> he was the best player on his team like every year until he went to like Denver, I think. Um, like he played, you know, six different years in the playoffs, 60 across 62 games. He was the best player on those teams and dragged them. Um, and Kyrie has never had to do that. Um, you know, even that, even that Boston team he was on was like way better. I think than any team Iverson's ever had. Um, and so it's kind of, it's like, I think 
I think Kyrie is the more talented player. Um, like I, I think, I think he's better, but he also never, he's never had to carry the sort of like weight that Iverson has had while yeah. succeeding at it. Like he, he was doing that during his early years in Cleveland, but they, again, were awful. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not Kyrie's fault that LeBron joined the team. And, you know, we have to talk about him like he was the second best player. It's not his fault. It's just that we've never had to see him struggle like like Iverson had to. Kyrie's entire life and basketball career would be so much different without that 2016 run. So, I, I mean, Kyrie would maybe argue that that it wasn't the most fun or whatever, but you, you can't argue that it did not improve his legacy. I mean, he now in this argument, he has the trump card of Allen Iverson never won a title. Kyrie Irving won a title. And Kyrie had you know, a 40 point game on the way to that title and, and was awesome in those last four games. Um, but yeah, like you said, I, I, I would go Iverson as of now. Um, you know, maybe in five years, Kyrie will have two titles and, and a finals MVP with the Nets. And, and this will look like a silly discussion, but I don't think he's done quite enough. I think he's you know objectively failed everywhere where he hasn't uh, had a player like LeBron or Kevin Durant next to him or now James Harden. Um, and, and with Iverson, I mean, the league wasn't as talented in the early 2000s, but that 76ers team around him was horrendous. And you know, <laughs> I, I know they lost in five, I think, in that finals, but they they won game one. And and I don't I don't think Kyrie Irving is is ever going to be capable of that type of single-handed, I'm going to get this team to 50 wins and all the way through the playoffs to the NBA Finals with no other All-Stars on the roster. Like I, I don't think that's even conceivable at any point in Kyrie's career. I don't think so. And it you have to be, um, you also have to be a really good teammate to do that. Like to be definitively better than all of your teammates and just, I mean, you're a ball hog at that point, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like that's maybe a little extreme, but like, Allen Iverson was a ball hog and that was fine. That's how they got, how they got to the NBA finals. And there aren't a lot of guys who would like be okay with that happening. Like we've seen kind of the fallout from the James Harden situation where James Harden's usage rate was so high. And a lot of those guys are like, I just don't, I don't want to do this. Um, So, you know, who even knows if Kyrie, you know, would be capable of, you know, if his teammates would even buy into that. Um, You know, I think you, and you talk about the league being different. The pace was also different. The style of play was also different, but I think the some one of the interesting things is that their their per 100 possession numbers are nearly identical. Um, you know, as far as like points, rebounds, assists, steals, turnovers, everything is like very very close. But the main difference being that Iverson took uh, like four less threes and four more free throws than Kyrie, and that was just kind of how the game was played. Um, so I, I view them sort of equally like legacy wise. And I think, I mean, Iverson's legacy is way higher at this point and may always end up being that way. Um, it's still hard for me to say that he was, he's definitively the better basketball player though than Kyrie. It's tough. Super tough, super tough. And I think it'll be a lot easier to debate when Kyrie's career is over, but uh, like similarly controversial players for completely different reasons. Uh, right. Similarly, fun players to watch for similar reasons. But um, I, I, I do think it's really close right now, all time. Um, you know, and Iverson obviously had a, a very steep decline at the end and it was over very quickly. But um, I, I think his his prime and it, it felt like he was the face of the league for a short period of time. And I don't yeah. I don't know if you could ever argue that Kyrie Irving was even in like the top five faces of the league. And maybe that's just due to how much talent there is right now. But 
Like, has anyone ever made the case, like, like an impassioned case that Kyrie Irving is a top five player in the league, let alone a top 10 player? Like, I think, I think there were, there were people in, in the 2000s that were just Iverson guys. You know, like, I, I had friends who were like, I don't care. I'm an yeah, Allen Iverson yeah. fan. I will follow him wherever. He's the best player ever. I, I just don't know if people make that case for Kyrie. You know, I, no, I don't think so. Kyrie is more of like a, he's just, he's about like the highlights on Bleacher Report and he's about selling shoes, it feels like. I feels like he's just more of like a branded player and not like, like you mentioned, like the face of the league. And I think, I mean, Iverson paved the way for guys like Kyrie to exist, right? Um, and so we can say that Kyrie Irving, like maybe in a vacuum, Kyrie Irving is better, but would those types of, would the Kyrie Irving type even exist without Allen Iverson coming into the league and playing like that? Yeah. Who knows? Um, it's, it's almost, to me, it's almost like if Kobe came before Jordan and like, we'd be like, yeah, Jordan was better, but Kobe was the first one to do it. Yeah. Um, sort of a thing. Yeah. That's good. Jordan was just doing a Kobe impression before <laughs> Kobe was around. Right. Um, the other one, you, you threw this out on Twitter and the results have been really interesting. And I, I believe this poll is open for another 24 hours. So uh, if you haven't voted yet, go over to Alex's Twitter account. Um, and I just, I just am very curious to see how this ends up. I, I believe uh, as of last check, it was exactly 50-50. Who is the better player? Shea Gilgis-Alexander or Donovan Mitchell? I, I'm leaning with Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And I kind of came to that conclusion as we were... We did one of our pre like all-star team podcasts and I started digging into the numbers more and thinking about it more. And I've still thought about it, which is why I ended up putting the poll up on Twitter. Um, I think it's, I think it's Gilgis Alexander. Like he, he's putting up this essentially the same scoring rebounding, like their pure box score stats are basically identical, but SGA is like way more efficient than uh mitchell on a worse team that's the part that doesn't make sense to me you know like gilgis alexander 24 points a game on 51 percent shooting 42 percent from three-point line uh donovan mitchell 25 points a game but 43 percent from the field and 38 percent from the three-point line on a team that has like way more options like donovan mitchell shouldn't have to be taking such bad shots that his field goal percentage is that low Mm-hmm. Uh, and it feels like if you switch these two, that Shea Gilgis Alexander would be having like an insane year, and the Jazz could be even better. And mm-hmm. like how ba- how bad would John Mitchell's field goal percentage be if he had to play on this OKC team? Um, I don't know. So I voted in this just to see the results. I don't have a strong opinion. I need to think. I need another like seven to ten days to really think about this, <laughs> but. I mean, you're right. The the numbers in a lot of ways do favor SGA. With Mitchell, I I almost feel like he he and Jamal Murray are both in this category of like the numbers don't necessarily bear it out. But like there's something about him where he's had enough of those just like insane singular games where he'll just go for 48 and hit eight three pointers and, you know, tie the game in regulation and hit a huge jumper to, to seal it in overtime that there's like this kind of unquantifiable just like X factor with him and with SGA, he just like hasn't been in any big games. We haven't really, he, he just hasn't really stepped up, whether it's on a, a TNT Thursday or, or, you know, in the second round of the playoffs or whatever it might be. That with Mitchell, like people are just kind of willing to overlook a lot of the inefficiency and be like, man, this guy's just such a killer. And I, I think in a lot of ways he is. But, but like you said, there, there's a, a pretty notable difference in efficiency. It's not like you're saying SGA is shooting 
45% and Mitchell shooting 43%. I mean, it's it, it's enough of a leap that it's worth discussing. Yeah, SGA is doing it on four fewer shots a game. His net rating is better. <laughs> Again, on the thunder. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think I just thought it was an interesting discussion because people talk about, you know, I mean, I, and obviously what Donovan Mitchell did last year in the playoffs was insane. And so I think that's part of it. I think that's a that alone is enough for me to understand why people will side with Donovan Mitchell. Like, I get that. Um, I just think, you know, may, if like if we start putting SGA in those opportunities or if we saw him on a team as good as the Jazz, that people would be like, no doubt this guy is is better. And, you know, mm-hmm. Donovan Mitchell is just like launching up shots. Um, so I, I think it's just something to just like keep an eye on, essentially. Yeah, so is that poll. So again, go vote in that. Um, the debate is is brewing. Twitter's erupting, uh, debating this. But um, yeah, I, I I just I I feel like Jazz fans would would obviously take their guy. I think Thunder fans would take their guy. I, I don't think there's like a lot of Thunder fans that are like, man, I wish we could trade SGA for Mitchell. And I don't think there's a single Jazz fan that would wish that they could swap those two either. Yeah, that's the interesting part, right? I think like definitely both fan bases probably feel like they have the better player. Um, yeah. Hence, Which isn't a bad the, thing. Yeah, right. Hence why the poll is so even. But, um, you know, I also think when, like, when SGA has a great game, it kind of goes unnoticed just because he's on the thunder, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, he's had, you know, he's had a, you know, a 42-point game on 20 shots. You know, he's he's had a 33-point, 10 assists, one turnover game. But it's just the hype is not there. All right, let's finish out by taking a look at MVP Rookie of the year. Won't spend a ton of time on this, um, but I, I want to ask you straight up. First of all, one, did Lamelo Ball play well enough, and two, did he play enough games that you would be okay with him still winning the Rookie of the Year award over Edwards and Halliburton, and and maybe quickly if he works his way into this? I'm okay with it. Um, you know, this is going to end up being, I think, similar to is that the Embiid year? Uh... The well, the Embiid year. Uh, I, I believe Wiggins won it that year. Oh, um, um Embiid didn't debut, I think, until the Brogdon year, right? I, I yeah, I mean the 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 year that Brogdon and Dario Saric were neck and neck yeah. for it. Who was it? Embiid that was got 16, hurt. 17. Embiid got hurt, and then um, the... uh, Embiid finished third in the voting that year. Played 31 games. Okay, but was yeah, obviously so that is... far and away was was the best rookie, and and had the second most first place votes behind Brogdon. Right. Um, so I think this is kind of a similar situation where LaMelo has played 41 games in a shorter season. So he's got more, he's played a bigger chunk of the season and there's still a chance he comes back. Um, yeah. I think that you have to factor that in too. Cause I think they said he is going to be reevaluated in four weeks or something like that. Yep. And, um, yeah, I think there's still a decent chance he wins. I think, um, you know, I think once Beasley and, and Russell are back for the wolves, I don't think Anthony Edwards will be taking 20 shots a game anymore. Um, although we'll, we'll see about that. I'm not so sure. <laughs> uh, and I think people are just like really bored with Tyrese Halliburton, which is understandable because he's kind of a boring player. Like he's really good. He's very efficient. Doesn't make mistakes, but he's on like the Kings who have, people are just kind of like they're done with. Um, they aren't good. And he's just, he's not getting the shot attempts he needs. Unfortunately, there's just kind of a lot working, um, against him. But, um, you know, I think, I think if you didn't pick up LaMelo Ball for Rookie of the Year, like, uh, you know, 
when when the odds were like minus 500 and you are still interested, I think getting him at plus 225, I would not be opposed to taking those odds, thinking that he could still potentially win it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Ball is he, there's a pretty good chance that he won't be able to do anything the rest of the way to improve his case. But I, I think the main you know, the main factor is Anthony Edwards could potentially hurt his own case going forward by just having this inherent regression when those two guys come back. And I mean, he's, I I think he's played well enough that it's going to be, it's not like they're just going to start playing him like 18 minutes a game again, like he was earlier in the year. Like he's still going to be a a major factor, but I don't, I don't think you're going to start resting Malik Beasley and and maybe you're going to sit D'Angelo Russell out of the second night of back-to-backs, but I don't think the Timberwolves are just going to like shut it down and just turn things over to Edwards the rest of the way. So, I mean, he had, he had that nine game stretch where he averaged 26 points, six rebounds, 43% from the field, which, you know, for a rookie guard is, is plenty, uh, was shooting it well from three, but when he was taking 23 shots a game, he was getting to the line five times. Like those numbers are bound to come down. Um, You know, I I think even if he continues playing 35 minutes a night, he's just he's just not going to easily get to 22 shots every single night like that when those guys are back. So I I think there's a pretty good chance that I I still I still don't think LaMelo wins it. Uh, If if he doesn't play another game, I don't think he wins it just because there's really no precedent for someone playing that few uh, games to, to win the award. Like, you know, I'm looking at the list now. You pretty much have to play like the minimum in the modern era is Brandon Roy won it playing 57 games in 06, 07. And, you know, 57 doesn't sound like a lot, but that's only 15 missed games, right? Or am I doing the math wrong? 20, 25 missed games? 25 missed games. And, yeah. you know, LaMelo Ball is going to miss, like, 31. Right. Um, I don't know. It is kind of interesting because, like, last year we had Zion Williamson, right, play 24 games, although the the bubble games didn't count. Um, towards rookie of the year voting. And I know there were some people who were like, I really think Zion Williamson is the rookie of the year, but I just can't vote for him. Um, you know, even though like some people felt like they saw enough, but ended up going with Ja because there just really weren't enough games. And then obviously you have the Embiid situation too. Yeah. This situation is different because I feel like people are feel probably feel like I've seen enough of LaMelo right. to feel like he is the rookie of the year. And he's played, uh, you know, more than half of the games this season, mm-hmm. if he never, if he doesn't see the court again. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I would comp it to last season necessarily, just because I think Morant was so good that even if Zion yes. had played 60 games, I like, I still think it would have been really close because Morant was just that awesome. Um, and, and Edwards has had his moments and Halliburton has had his moments as well. So like, it, it's not like, like LaMelo was going to win it in a runaway. It honestly probably would have been unanimous, but I, it felt like there were still some other good candidates. He was just that much better. You know, maybe the maybe the Roy year in 06, 07 is the closest comp. Like I was, I'm just like really bad at math and thought he only missed 15 games. So like, when you consider that he missed 25 and and he still won it in a landslide. The only other player to receive a vote that year was Andrea Bargnani. So there was a this is kind of a similar situation where there was clearly a number one guy. He did miss 25 games, but there just there just wasn't really anyone else to to step in there. So like I. I don't think it's a terrible idea to to put money on LaMelo. If you already have a bet on LaMelo, I know, I know DraftKings said they're going to pay those out as a winner. Uh, I'm not sure why they're doing that. That's great. Um, but at, 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 the, at the same time, it, it's, just, it's just really tough. I, I have no idea how this is going to go. Like, Would you rather bet, and we'll move on to MVP after this, would you rather bet uh, Anthony Edwards or Tyrese Halliburton 
if, if you're if you're going to say it's not going to be LaMelo, which of those two guys do you think ends up winning it? Man, that's tough. Um, man, uh, I think, I mean, I think the value is better on Halliburton at plus 300 compared to Anthony Edwards minus 182. Sure. But um, again, I just, I don't know. I think, I think there are a lot of like the the nerds will probably vote for Halliburton. Um, Losers. But Anthony Edwards has done enough. He's looked enough like an NBA player when you watch him, like someone who could be a star. He's he has that look enough to where I think people would be, um, they could they could definitely uh, vote him over Halliburton, mm-hmm. even if that may not be like the long term, uh, how things are going to end up like long term. Right. But I, and this honestly, award is rarely indicative of that. Right. Honestly, I don't think I I don't think anybody who wants to vote for Lamelo Ball and truly feels that he's the rookie of the year based on talent, I don't think those people will be like wringing their hands over like, Oh, you know, he missed, he only played 42 games. I think those people will just write his name in and like not care. Um, so, and that's what I do. I I don't, I don't vote for the award, but I think kind of after the Embiid thing, I think a lot of, like you mentioned, a lot of people did vote for Embiid and I don't think they like felt that concerned about it. And I think that might happen to a bigger extent this year. Yeah, and I think the shortened season, the pandemic, I think it makes it easier to to justify a vote like that. Looking at MVP, things are breaking extremely well for Jokic. The Embiid injury <laughs> yeah. first, and now the LeBron injury. Uh, I had a Windhorse mentioned that the Lakers think he could miss, you know, a month or more. Uh, he's never never had a high ankle sprain. There's really not a precedent for this with him. So, you know, who knows? I think LeBron is still very much in it. I think it's a, a possibility that he's just going to be back in two and a half weeks and it'll be business as usual. And, and all of a sudden he's maybe back to being the favorite in a month, but it's also possible it could go the other way. And I, I think it makes sense now that Jokic is a relatively heavy favorite at the DK Sportsbook. He's minus 110 Embiid now five to one. LeBron is six to one. Giannis is eight to one. Harden nine to one. Uh, and then you get to Doncic and Lillard both at 14 to one. It's, it's a, it's really interesting. It was going to be a crazy MVP year, I think without these injuries, but the two guys who I think most people at the all-star break, you know, everybody was either team Embiid or team LeBron. I think it, it probably slanted more toward LeBron. Both of those guys getting hurt has completely opened things up even more wide open. And I mean, Jokic's team, they, they just lost to the Pelicans the other night. Like that continues to be the number one drawback for him is the team just isn't all that good. Um, I mean, they're good enough certainly to, to be the MVP, but not to the point where it helps your case. I think if anything, it hurts his case. Um, but I, I'm almost more interested in the guys who are third and fourth uh, in the odds right now. Giannis at eight to one, Harden at nine to one, two guys who I I automatically crossed off early in the year. I, I think the way Harden started the season in Houston, I didn't think he could come back from that. I, I thought it would just be basically impossible for Giannis to win three straight. But I, the way things are breaking, it, it's it's definitely within the realm of possibility that that those two guys will be very much in the mix. Yeah, I so I think. I think that Lillard, Damian Lillard is having a better season than James Harden, which I don't like. There are a lot of people who uh, like love Lillard for MVP, but there are also a lot of people who are like, we have to consider Harden, you know, even if you, I think even if you just completely throw away the Houston stuff, like ignore that, that never happened. You started the season on Brooklyn. I still think that Lillard's having a better year than him. Um, so for me, he's kind of, I don't, he's not out of the conversation, 
But I think Lillard's odds, who are plus 1,400, should be flipped with Hargens, who are plus 900. That's just how I feel. As far as uh, Giannis goes, Giannis has been playing out of his mind lately, uh, which is crazy to say for someone who, like, (laughs) has won back-to-back MVPs. But over the past 12 games for Giannis, it's 31 points on 20 shots, 12 rebounds, 8 assists, one steal and one block, basically, with only three and a half turnovers. That's that is insane. Um, I still don't think he'll win it. Um, people have talked about the precedent of players winning three in a row, and there's going to be some hesitancy from media members to put him into that company without him having won a title. And I think that that to me is probably more of a reason that he will not win a third one than um people like being disappointed in his performance or something last year. I think they just don't want to elevate Giannis like that because he hasn't proved it yet. Um, but I mean, he's, he's there, right? I mean, the numbers he's putting up lately are yeah. just wild. The numbers are MVP worthy. I think if he, if he hadn't won it last year, he would probably be the favorite right now. I think if the bucks had won the title last year or even made the finals last year, yeah. he would be the favorite. I, I it's people are holding that, that playoff performance, you know, both by him and by the Bucks against Giannis. And, you know, right or wrong, that's he's not the only player that's had that happen to him. And and I, I think I, I think I'm with you. I think it's gonna prevent him ultimately from winning the award. The other thing, I mean, the Bucks have won, I think, twelve out of thirteen, um, dating back to to last month. I mean, they've been they've started to look a lot more like the Bucks from the last two years, but no matter what, they're they're not going to be as dominant a regular season team as they were last year. Uh, or certainly in in 2018-19 when they were 60 and 22, and that's the other thing that hurts him. Like that that was a key component in his case is that they were the runaway best team in the league both of those years, and and now you know he's putting up basically the same numbers and maybe they do win the East, but if they do, they're going to win the conference by you know one game instead of winning it by seven games or or whatever like it was the last couple of years. Right. Yeah. If he was, if the Bucks were far and away, you know, like if if the Bucks were if the Bucks had single digit losses right now, you know, something like that. If they, they were, were like, 52 and eight at one point last year. Yeah. Yeah. If they were, if they were that this season, then um, th- I think he would be, you, we would have to talk about it like more seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it should, should still be talked about seriously, but I, I, I feel like I'm one of the only people who's kind of been like a Jokic day one. Like I just am not, <laughs> I'm not off that hill yet. Like I'm still, I still think Jokic is the MVP. I think he has, as little help as anyone in this conversation besides maybe Damian Lillard. Um, and I think Damian Lillard's lack of help was kind of artificial because of Nurkic and McCollum going out. Um, meanwhile, like the, the Nuggets just aren't that good aside from him. Right. Um, aside from, aside from Jokic. So um, he's still, to me, he's, he's deserves to be the favorite and he has been this whole time, yeah. but I understand the people who were for Embiid. I don't, I was never at all in with LeBron, but I would have understood if, if Embiid had won over mm-hmm. Jokic. And I still would understand if he ends up winning over Jokic. I get it. Yeah, I, I have no idea what's going to happen right now. I mean, the, the the odds, I think, indicate that, that Jokic would be the winner if the votes were cast today. But I, I think there are people that would give Damian Lillard their first place vote right now. He's 14 to 1. I think there's still probably a contingent of people that are really impressed with Luka. He was the favorite coming in. That always helps. Um, certainly there's people that, that'll give a lot of credit to Harden for how he's changed his game in Brooklyn. Obviously Durant has only played a few games with them so far. 
Um, and, and then, like we talked about, I mean, there's there's certainly an argument for for Giannis, and and there's always going to be the LeBron contingent. So, again, I, I think Jokic would win it right now, but I would love to see I would love to see like an honest voting breakdown because I, I think this is going to be this is going to buff the trend of the last decade where there's there's been an obvious MVP pretty much every year, and you know it, unless the Nuggets dramatically improve and Jokic just kind of runs away with this thing and LeBron and Embiid miss more time, um, I, I really could see what, up, up to like seven or eight players getting first place votes potentially? Yeah, it is. It's tough to separate like the quote unquote conversation from like, <laughs> here's a ballot with a pen, you know, like right. who's your MVP? Because a lot of people want to be like Lillard's in the conversation or like, yeah, like but would you actually do it? Right. Or I saw someone write about like Rudy Gobert needs to be talked about more as an MVP candidate. Um, okay. And someone okay. was like, Chris Paul. And I'm like, what are like, yeah, what are I, we saw doing the, I saw here? the Chris Paul one today. Yeah. Come on. Um, yeah, I know. Um, so I think, um, you know, I, I think when it comes down to it, I think there are a lot of people who will, um, there are a lot of deserving players, but I think most people right now, it's between those three that it's between, it's still between Jokic and B and LeBron. And I think maybe it ends up just coming down to how much time do the, the latter two miss. Well, the one guy we haven't talked about too is Vucevic and he's, I mean, he's 50 plus 50,000. At the DK Sportsbook? Man. So is Terry <laughs> Rozier. So is Fred Van Vliet. Uh, so is Carl <laughs> Anthony Towns. I, I don't know if this is going to be the the Towns MVP. Or you can get Brandon Ingram at, at plus 50,000. You can get SGA at 500 to 1. Do you do you still think Kawhi is the best? Um, like, I mean, pe- people don't talk about him in the... Like, who is the best actual long shot? Is it Lillard at fourteen to one? It is it Curry? Define as a long shot. If it if Lillard counts, I think it's Lillard. Who is who, like you know like who's the guy? Who's the what's the longest odds you would put like fifty bucks on? Curry at twenty to one. Uh no. Lillard yeah, at fourteen to one. I I would rather bet Kawhi at fifty to one than Lillard at twenty to one. To me to me Kawhi should be where where Doncic is. Kawhi should be fourteen to one. He's missed eight games. And I know the the Clippers haven't been that great. You know, they've they've. It feels like every time they win two games, they lose the next two. Um, so like, I don't think he's gonna win it. But I feel like he's now become like a little bit underrated. And I think he's suffering a little bit from the Giannis issue too of of having an embarrassing second round playoff loss kind of carry over to the next season. But I fifty to one to me is kind of crazy. Like I mean, you know, for Lillard to be fourteen, him to be fifty. Like there's there's not there's not that big of a gap for me between those two guys. Right. I mean, he's. I mean, he's 25 points a game on practically 50, 40, 90. Mm-hmm. The assessor turnover ratio is great. Obviously, the defense is great. I, I'm with, I mean, that made, that makes sense. Okay, um, last thing. Uh, the Lakers are starting Devontae Kaycock at center tonight. So, make, uh, you know, if we have anything else to say about whether they need Andre Drummond. <laughs> they definitely live, need Andre Drummond. Live reaction. I don't know. I have nothing to say. This is going to be I, bad. They're gonna I, get... I have nothing to say either, man. I, I think... Um, <laughs> this is ridiculous yeah not gonna be fun all right well that's a good place to end it uh this is a lot of fun uh covered a lot of ground today we will be back you and i on thursday we'll have a bunch of content around the trade deadline we'll have a reaction piece uh, and then we're gonna try to hop on probably right after the deadline and just do you know 30 or 40 minutes um possibly longer possibly shorter depending on on what happens at the deadline but uh, we'll we'll have a reaction pod up as soon as we can on thursday The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. 
and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.